It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.06 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, and I am Walter Reeves. 404-872-0750, the number you heard just a minute ago. If you have a garden question or anything you need to know about your lawn, about your trees, about your flowers, about bugs, about critters, about something that's bothering you in the natural world, or if you want advice on how to be an organic gardener, how to take care of houseplants, if you have a question, 404-872-0750. I was reminded yesterday of something that happened to me hmm, a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was. It was a long time ago. It was when my beloved Uncle Gray was alive. I know he was alive, and it was when I was living on the farm, so it was before I was a old teenager, before I went to college. But I remember my Uncle Gray had come down to visit us on the farm, and as we were visiting, he went outside to pick some pears. We had a little pear tree by the, by the well house, and so he went out to pick some pears. And after five or ten minutes, he came into the house going, woo, 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 and sort of batting at his left ear. Woo, 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 batting, 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 batting at his left ear. And my mother and my father said, what's going on, Gray? What's going on? He said, something stung me. Something really got me. Get some ice. And so we got a little cube of ice and held it up to his ear. And it continued to sting and hurt for a while. And my father went out and said, let's go look and see what it could be. Could it be one of my honeybees? Could it be a wasp or a yellow jacket or something like that? And they went out and looked. And on the leaves of the pear tree was not a wasp, not a yellow jacket, but a little green caterpillar. A little green caterpillar with a brown dot in his back white spikes, white spines on each end of his body. And my father looked at that and said, that's one of those saddlebacks, he said. That's a saddleback. Got to watch out for those. They really, really hurt. When you hit the spines on the back of the body, they really, really hurt. Well, it was certainly true for my Uncle Gray, who was the first person I ever knew to be stung or to be, not exactly stung, but touched by a saddleback caterpillar, but I've had them myself, almost in the same place. At this time, on my right ear, as I was going underneath a redbud tree about this time of year, about this time of year, and felt something just like a red-hot needle, just right across the lobe of my ear, like that. <laughs> Go find some ice. Put it on my ear. It hurts. Oh, Lord. There are several different kinds of venomous caterpillars that are common in the fall of the, of the year, saddleback being probably the most common one. And I had an email yesterday from a guy who said, hey, I was pruning my canna lilies, and I found this guy wondering what he was. He didn't get stung, fortunately. But when I posted that on Facebook, several, several people talked about how painful the sting was and how uh, closer they had come to being stung by one, how many they had seen already this year. So the caution is, look out when you're messing with plants where you can't really see where your hands are going if you're pulling weeds or pruning your cannas, big leaves. You know, you might not see something, particularly a caterpillar that's green and, 
and sort of camouflage like the like the saddleback is. There are other venomous caterpillars that I occasionally get reports for. One is called the puss, P-U-S-S, puss caterpillar. It looks just exactly like a little piece of hair from a cat. I mean, you cannot tell it from a little piece of hair. You'd wonder what is a what is a piece of hair from a cat doing here on the leaves of my of my tree? But nonetheless, the puss caterpillar is a very, very small, about oh, an inch long, I guess, with this brown hair, which is a bristles, actually. And if you touch it, you'll find out pretty quickly what it feels like to be stung by a venomous caterpillar. Let's see, what are some other venomous caterpillars that are around right now? I.O. Moth. I.O. is the first name. I.O. The I.O. Moth has a, what would you call that, sort of a spiky-looking body. It's pretty easy to tell it's not going to be friendly to you because it just doesn't have the friendly caterpillar-like look to it. Speaking of, though, speaking of a caterpillar that doesn't have a friendly look at all, but is totally harmless, the hickory horned devil. Now, you got to say, if a caterpillar is named the hickory horned devil, that's probably one I do not want to touch. Yet I have a picture of my across-the-street neighbor, Chrissy Calloway, when she was probably six or seven years old, she found one, thought it looked cute, and picked it up. Now, these caterpillars, hickory horned devil, is as big as a hot dog. I am not lying to you. It is big as a hot dog. It has big orange horns, an inch long on one end of its body. It's green. It's spotted. Boy, it looks like it would come and eat you alive. But the hickory horned devil is not venomous at all. And she showed it. She handed it up to show it to me. I took a picture of her. So it holds that big caterpillar. The hickory horned devil is the caterpillar of a, what is it, a moth, a regal moth. And the regal moth lays her eggs up in the, up in the top parts of trees, usually in pecans and hickories, sometimes in sweet gums and oaks. But this is the time of year now through probably the end of September that you sometimes see them on the ground because once they have fed in the top of the tree, They'll fall out of the tree and pupate in the ground. And that's the only time you ever see the hickory horned devil is when they fall out of a tree. So if you see big, ugly-looking caterpillars, it could be a hickory horned devil. If you see a green caterpillar with a little brown patch on its back, bristles on both ends of its body, that is a saddleback caterpillar, and that one you do definitely want to avoid. 404-872-0750 is my number. First in line this morning. Let's see if we can find some uh, cursor one more time here. Here it is. Where we go first? Oh, she was first in line. Griffin, Georgia, to our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Hayes. Mr. Nicole, good morning. Another big caterpillar is the tomato on. Oh, uh, yeah, the hornworms. Yeah, they're big. Missouri, you know what I used to do when I was going to the uh, bus school? I was driving the bus, the school bus, yeah, yeah. and I put them in the jar because they get big after. <laughs> I know. I put them in the jar. They get big after uh, they eat all the tomato plants and everything. Yeah. Then I put uh, uh, oil in the lid, and I bring them to the kid, and I open the jar. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Did you do this to scare the children or to educate the children? Educate them because oh, okay. I want them to be agriculture and life-maintaining like sure. I was, you know. But it was so funny. They were not scared. They were more um, hungry for to know uh, what it was. Yeah, you know? they're big. They have that little horn, you know, the end of a hornworm, a tomato hornworm, that little short horn. And that's sort of interesting, but if... 
I guess if Mr. Cole would hold it up in a jar and let them see it, they would probably assume it's not going to jump out and bite them. No. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. But anyway, um, I want to, you know, I go on 75 every night. Yep. And there's a big nursery uh, around Ocala. And I see those big plastic pots with yeah. a tree in it. Yeah. And I was telling myself, good grief, because uh, they are not on the ground or anything. Mm -hmm. Those plastic pots can get really hot. This is not the old plastic. You touch this pot, and it will burn your finger. So I was telling myself, poor little old tree. Because (laughs) if you buy something that's been mistreated when it's young, you put it in your yard, and all your life you're going to fight against him because it didn't have a good uh, start. Sometimes they space the trees so that the pots shade each other. The outside pots on a big plot, a big block of uh, trees like the other containers of other plants, they will maneuver them and position them so that there's less sun exposure to the pot because that very very exact problem you just described. They don't want the pot to get too hot because roots, when they get real hot, they stop growing and they stop absorbing moisture, and so they are aware of the problem. But sometimes pots inevitably are going to be exposed to sunshine, and they do get too hot. And uh, the, um, uh, the uh, oh, God, I forgot. Um, but yeah. anyway, just some kind of pot you're going to buy, the oil is too high. So it's going to take the all the, the, the water is no good. It's going to... Uh, uh, multiply bacteria. So when you go home, just put a hole on the bottom. Yeah, so the water can get out. Because the uh, the uh, accumulation of bacteria and Mister Mystery, they get so mistreated those uh, uh, those pots that uh, it's not even funny anymore. One of the things that I taught this past week, Nicole, I had a group of master gardeners in DeKalb County. And one of the things that we talked about was myths of gardening and myths that people believe but still are not true. And one of the things that we talked about was putting rocks in the bottom of a pot. And I know lots and lots of people, and I've done it myself, that figure that if you put rocks in the bottom of a pot, it will increase the drainage in the pot and it'll make your plants healthier because they won't have a chance of having saturated soil around the roots. And you can do experiment after experiment showing that those rocks in the bottom of a pot do not help drainage in the, in the soil. The soil simply stays soggy, but it stays soggy a little bit higher in the pot because the rocks are in the bottom. And so we talked about that, why it is that you can't or you should not put rocks in the bottom of a pot, but you do need a hole, like you said. You need a hole at the bottom to drain off any excess water down at the bottom of the soil, but not rocks. The uh, rocks will uh, play with the temperature, isn't it? They're going to get cold in winter. I mean, uh, really not cold. Not so much. I don't know so much about temperature in there. It's simply they don't promote drainage. It's a myth that they have any help to the plant. Boy, it's us against the the creature from the sky, and it's us against the creature <laughs> on the ground. Maybe <laughs> all three of them. Nicole, I see the time is is not here. That I have to get out of here. But it is great talking to you once again. Have a safe trip next week. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. 
Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Partly cloudy, high of, 70, high of 94 today, low of 74 tonight. Pretty much for Sunday, the same thing. Clouds, high of 92, low of 74 on Sunday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Coming up in the next few minutes, we'll have Benjamin on the road who wants to ask a question about his plants. Nancy Indicator has styrofoam in the soil for more air. Well, we'll just talk about that a little bit, Nancy. Carolyn, Carolyn in Monroe needs an ID for an old tree. J.D. in College Park joins us first, though. Hey, J.D., good morning. J.D. Good morning, Walter. How are you, sir? Man, I'm fine, J.D. What's up? Listen, I need your help. I need you to give me some kind of a timeline, a timetable on how to approach what I'm about to do. I have a fescue lawn that's about 50% weeds and 50% fescue or less. And I, I every year I hear you talk about September 25th, apply the... Uh, uh, herb, not herb, uh, apply the uh, pre-emergent. pre-emergent. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Now I need you. Know, what do I do now? I have my grass cut down rather low now. Shall I go ahead now and apply the herbicide now? No. Because most manufacturers recommend that you wait thirty days before you apply put put down in a uh, fertilizer. Uh, yeah, on fescue. I think if you fertilize fescue when it's hot, like right now, ninety-two degrees, seventy-four overnight. No, the limiting factor on fescue in the summer is not so much the heat during the day; it's the heat at night. If it's after, if it's oh. over seventy-four during the evening, fescue okay. has a really hard time recovering from the drought stress and heat stress and everything of during the daytime hours. So, mm-hmm. if you put fertilizer on fescue now. It ends up stimulating it to grow at a time where it would really rather be left alone. So right now, okay. no fertilizer until, gosh, J.D., until it gets down to the mid-60s at night. I would prefer it down to 60 degrees at night and sort of declining a little bit. So the first time we put any fertilizer on, basically it would be around the 1st of September. And for weeds and stuff... I think spot spraying is good or pulling them up or something like that. There's not much you can do about annual weeds. They've already probably set their seed. They've dropped their seed already. And so right. don't do any, any good by killing them particularly. But if you want to pull them up or, or just kill them just to get them out of the way, they'd be, they'd be fine with me to do that. Okay. What about the, uh, the pre-emergent? When right. do I, do so I the pre-emergent. Let's start that around the middle of September. I think that'd be fine. That's another one that temperature determines a lot of what winter annual seeds do. And again, the nighttime temperatures in the mid to low, mid middle 50s is about right. In the middle 50s and declining, that's when, what, poa annual, chickweed, uh, henbit, some of the other winter annuals, that's when they start germinating. It's when the nighttime temperatures are 55 and going down. So oh, that's okay. around mid-September, I think. So I have time to go ahead and put the pre-emergent down September 25th, and then I have time uh, maybe uh, what, uh, a few weeks later to apply the, uh, uh, the seed and the fertilizer? Uh, no, because if you put seed out, the pre-emergent is going to keep the seed from coming up at all. Frankly, a lot of times I think it's better not to use a pre-emergent on fescue, simply to put a lot, not a lot of seed, but put seed out appropriately 
and let the fescue get started really strongly, get a lot of coverage on the grass seedlings, and let the fescue sort of fight its own fights as a pre-emergence there. So rather than pre-emerging, I'd rather you seed and fertilize and make the fescue itself strong enough to fight the weeds. 628 at News Talk WSB, back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.36 on a Saturday morning, 78, that can't be right, 78 degrees, that's not good. Heavens, it's warm outside, my friends. 404-872-0750, the number of Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you do. And Nancy Indicator wants to talk a little bit more about things in her pots. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So what's the question about styrofoam in a pot? Well... I have a plot of uh, Georgia red clay um, right in the front of my house between the carport and the uh, front entrance. And I have some daylilies and gladiolas struggling to uh, thrive there. Mm -hmm. And and so I have a stable of, of retired styrofoam coolers that my husband has collected Uh and i want tell me why i should not grind those up in my tree grinder or his Uh tree grinder and you know put it into the soil to make it more aerated and if after you preach to me about why i shouldn't do that (laughs) will you give me an idea of what i should do. It's not a really big place, but, you know. Won't, won't the styrofoam float whenever it rains? Won't it float to the surface and sort of wash away with the current of water across the ground? Oh, not if I dug it in really good. <laughs> but, yes, I, I see what you're saying. But I was sort of taking apart one the other day, yeah. and it's one that actually um, – when I separated it, it went into little beads-like yeah. pieces, like maybe four-millimeter beads. And I'm thinking, sure. oh, that would oh, that would add air yeah. to the And you see the little white beads that naturally are come in potting soil called perlite. Mm-hmm. And perlite is a little bit denser than, than water. And so perlite does not float. It sinks, and the water is absorbed into it. So perlite is heavier than water, so it doesn't float. Styrofoam is lighter than water, obviously, so it does float. I'm not going to say you can't do it. I mean, we won't get into the part about styrofoam doesn't break down. We're not going to get into the well. That's what I see. That's what I was thinking about. That it wouldn't break down, and it would uh, help keep that Georgia red clay. Neither does perlite. It doesn't break down either. So I will say that Nancy, your requirement is if I say you go ahead and do it. Your requirement is a month from now, report back and say, you know, I mixed the styrofoam in. It worked great. Nanny, 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 Mr. Reeves. And it all <laughs> floats to the top in a heavy rain in a few weeks. It's all gone. But four weeks from now, you have to call back and apologize and say, well, you, you were right, Mr. Reeves. So well, either way, you I know, want to talk to you. I, I guess, um, well, the only thing is, 
Mr. Reeves, yeah. is that um, my husband doesn't have uh, things made out of perlite I can grind up. <laughs> you got chipper. free, free styrofoam. You know, the, what you should, quote-unquote, should do, Nancy, mm-hmm. is to add ground-up organic matter, ground-up pine bar, ground-up uh, wood chips, ground-up anything that's organic or compost and add that to your soil. That aerates the soil just fine, does break down, does form a nice environment for the, for the organisms and things that live in the soil anyway. Mm-hmm. But like, like I said, perlite does not do any of those things. It doesn't break down, but it does aerify the soil, and styrofoam could, in some cases, I guess, be useful. You're going to tell us four weeks from now. Well, no, I, I won't be available for that for four weeks. I'm, I might come crawling back uh, before before Christmas. All right, but, uh, I will look forward to it. Well, thank you, and I love your program. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for calling. Great, intriguing question. One of those interesting questions you get to think a little bit, stretch a little bit about. If you have a question yourself, a stretch question you want to pose to me, 404-872-0750. Caroline is in Monroe and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Caroline, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Oh. I have a oak tree that's over 100 years old. Wow. And it has, uh, I really don't know how old it is, but it has a lot of holes in the bottom of it. Yeah. And it's uh, seeping out like oil or something, or some kind of black sap. Sure. Does that sound familiar for Very one? familiar, very familiar. Matter of fact, this past um, Thursday, my email newsletter had a very, very similar question. So this time the lady said, I have a puddle of something that's very oily, sappy feeling, watery sort of at the base of my tree, not coming out of the trunk, but right at the base of her tree. And yeah, she, it's there, at the base. There are insects in it too. She said the bugs fly around and it smells sort of funky as well. And what you have, and what she had too, is a condition called slime, S-L-I-M-E, flux, F-L-U-X. And it is basically an infection underneath the bark of the tree. And the sap, because it has some sugar in it, it ferments. And it ferments a little bit. It smells like beer a little bit. Sometimes it smells like vinegar. And it oozes out. As the fermentation occurs, it'll ooze out. So it'll spit a little bit. It'll like that little spit sound to it as the gases come out too. And there's really not much you can do. There's no spray to spray on the on the infected part. But you can wash it off if you want to, Caroline. You can put take a hose and just wash it off so the bugs don't don't bother you. Yeah. Well there's a lot of holes in it where last year uh hornets tried to build a nest in one of the holes. Maybe. Okay. But if you wash the if you wash the slime off of the tree then there's not much attraction to insects or anything else. So that's all I would really do. Some years, years it will be bad. Some years it will be not so bad. Just look forward to knowing that it happens. There's nothing that you can do much about. Yeah, well, we've been there 21 years at the tree, yeah. at the house, and uh, it's just it's become a mess, really, you know, because uh, the bark is fa- uh, falling off of it. Oh, man. Uh, the big limbs up, up above, you know. and. Sure. Uh, it may be, may be declining some, Caroline, if you want. If there's anything that would be in danger if that tree fell, like the house, the carport, the car, uh-huh. or anything like that, it might be a good idea to hire a consulting arborist to come out and take a look at it and give you a health report on it to, just to let you know. What do they usually charge? About $100, $150. Oh, okay. All right. Well, All I appreciate right. your advice and love your show. Like, thank you, Caroline. I love talking to you. Thank you for calling. 
404-872-0750. Who's been waiting the longest here? Mark and Milton has. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um, I have two questions for you this morning. Um, Not much of a gardener, but I live out in the country, and I've always planted trees and had tomato plants and stuff like that. Um, I planted trees down my driveway, pin oaks, and they've come up with some kind of, um, I don't know, virus or bacteria or whatever, but they Mm -hmm. slowly were dying off. So I planted elm in between every other one, and the elms have been there for about 10 years, and now all of a sudden the leaves are all turning brown like they're eaten they're only there's only a skeleton left of the leaves ah. and new leaves leave, leave, new leaves come out some uh, but it seems to be happening worse and worse every year and I, was, I don't know what's going on the skeleton is actually a good clue for me because i know right now there is a an insect called the oak softly that causes oak leaves to look like parchment, almost skeletonized parchment is one way to describe it. Brown um, and sort of clear, if you almost see through it. And I imagine that it could be elm sawflies as well. And elm sawflies, okay. uh, not a whole heck of a lot you can do about them. They don't weaken the tree particularly. They make them look ugly, but they don't weaken it. So okay. if you want to leave it alone, it's not going to hurt anything. We're late enough in the summer that the leaves are going to fall Anyway, in you know a month or so, so I don't think okay. I do anything about the elm trees. Okay, all right. Even though even though pretty much all the leaves are brown, it, it's going to be okay. You unless, think in the long run? Unless you tell me that that there's spot, lots of spots on the leaves, or there's some other factors no. that I'm not hearing from you. But just brown and skeletonized softly sounds right. Okay. Um, the other question is for tomato plants. Um, yeah. I've grown up, I've raised on a farm in Iowa, but left there early, and all I ever planted is tomatoes and stuff like that. Sure. So, uh, pretty basic garden. Um, my tomato plants, a few years ago in August, would turn yellow on the tops, and then they seemed to die a little early. Uh-huh. And I always kind of thought that was, you know, just a natural falls coming dying but that that yellow uh, leaf thing has gone all the way to june now and now this year by uh july i didn't have any live plants all my oh. plants died yeah what is the yellow leaf thing going on usually if it starts at the bottom and goes up it's called early blight um but top down hmm top down i don't know so that's exactly that's how it went from the top turned yellow and then it went down the plant yeah yeah Ooh, that is a good question. Were there spots <laughs> on the leaves or simply yellowing and wilting and nope. fall off? Just yellow and, you know, just a few leaves and then more and more as time went on. And and, uh, and then they died. Like like I said, I think it was probably the 4th of July. My yeah. plants, you know, I only had six or eight plants, but they all died. When the, when the newer part of a plant turns yellow or turns brown or dries out or something, Usually that has an indication of water problems because the tree or the plant or the tree for that matter too is trying to get water out to the newest, youngest foliage. And if it can't get it out there, then that's the first part that dies. So examine your watering practices, I guess. Uh, I don't have much else to go on. Like I said, (laughs) the pattern is not what a normal disease looks like for me. The, okay. other, the only other thing that I can think of that is top down would be roundup damage. If the leaves, 
Hmm. Instead of being all yellow, if the leaves are sort of yellow in the middle, right where they touch the stem of the mother plant, that looks uh-huh. like Roundup damage. And you can see some images. I have several on my website. <clears throat> it says Roundup yeah. damage to tomatoes. And look at that if you want to look and just see what Roundup looks like. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Good talking to you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for calling. In the next half hour, Sheridan Lithonia has water bugs. She needs to know how to control. Troy and Ken has tomatoes that are not turning red right now. I have an answer for Troy. And Larry in Atlanta has grubs that he has that he wants to kill them and control them. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. I want to love somebody. I'm sure I love the weather in the next couple of days, but here it is, brought to you by Finley Roofing. Partly cloudy today, high of 92, low of 74. Tomorrow, well, pretty much the same thing, high of 92, low of 74. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. We will see what it bows for the rest of the week. Troy and Kenton joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Troy, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm all right, Troy. What's up? Okay, I am a brand-new gardener, yeah. and this is my first year of going to garden. And i listening to your show. I've gotten very excited about it. I've seen, you know, everything grow. And I'm looking at my garden, and I'm like, I've got 40 or 50 tomatoes, and they're solid green. And yeah. I don't know why they're not turning. One of the things you remember from just learning about farming when you were a kid and, and seeing farmers on TV is they all talk about listen to the weatherman. I've got to talk to the weatherman, see what the weatherman says. And Kirk Mellish can sometimes be your best friend when it comes to gardening because temperature, not rainfall, but temperature is a very big determinant of what things do and how plants behave. And one of the things about temperature, when it gets above 90 degrees, is the anthocyanin, what a great big five-syllable word, anthocyanin, which is the, 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 the pigment inside of the tomato that is red, it does not change red at temperatures above 90 degrees. So what's the high today? 92 degrees. Are Troy's tomatoes going to get red today? No, they're not, because it's too hot. Too hot out there. So basically, you just wait, and as things cool off a little bit, if it cools off for a day or two or three, or if you put a... Put an umbrella. I know a guy that put umbrellas over his tomatoes, and they turned out to turn red pretty quickly. Just keep the fruit as cool as you can, and it will turn turn red like it's supposed to. Okay, so I don't need to do anything at all. Nope. I'm good nope. as is. Okay, I have one more quick question. Talk to me. April 23rd, I laid five pallets aside, wow. and first time I've done it, and everything came out amazing. I was really, really extremely happy. Yeah, sounds um, good. I had a, I, I've, you know, I've got a lot, not a lot, but I've got weeds that are popping up. I have hesitated to do anything because I don't want to damage the side. Right. What advice do you have for me about trying to control the weeds that are inside that's just been up a couple of months? Yeah, what kind of side, what kind of grass you, did you plant? It, it's Bermuda, it's chip turf, and it's full sun. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's really taken 
amazing. It's just the weeds are popping up and my wife thinks I'm crazy because I'm out there on my knees pulling the weeds and I'm like, <laughs> honey, I'm not going to damage the side. Yeah. I work too hard. So is there something outside of pulling weeds that I can do yeah. at this point? You know, at this point, the sod is, I think, very nicely rooted down. You should have plenty of time for it to be established well. And so right now, I don't think it'll have much damage. And if you at least spot spray the weeds, you don't have to, I don't think, spread the whole yard with weed killer. But a little spot spray here and there to control broadleaf weeds, I think would be fine. I don't think it hurts the grass at all. Okay. Is there something, uh, is there any particular spot spray that I should be looking for or... Does it really matter? Uh, if you want one to recommend, because because uh, Pike Nursery sells it, the Bonide Weed Beater is a good spot spray as well as just all all over the lawn. Have a lot of weeds, so I say Bonide Weed Beater Ultra works really nicely. Okay. Check well, I appreciate all your help, Walter. Thank you very much. Call again, Troy. I'd love to talk to you about beginner garden questions. They're the bread and butter of the show. Four and four four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty is my number. We'll be back after news. <laughs> 